0: Welcome to the Agents of Innovation Podcast. Where we feature conversations with entrepreneurs, philanthropists, and artists. Hello and welcome back to the Agents of Innovation Podcast. I am your host, Francisco Gonzalez, and we got another good one for you today. This is episode 27, and we are featuring... Evan Marcus, uh, Evan is, um, a franchise owner for Delivery Dudes, uh, down in Miami, uh, basically Midtown Miami, um, but we're going to hear some updates from Evan and how his experience has gone there and, uh, what's upcoming for him in the future. Uh, we also have a song being played at the end of this podcast by, uh, a previous, uh, guest and that is Paul Fau P F A U Paul Fau and uh Paul is absolutely fantastic with the PF uh fantastic but uh, uh he is um he had been on the season of The Voice a few years ago and we interviewed him uh, a little over a year ago and glad to hear um he's continuing to evolve in his music he's got a great uh, new album encourage you to check it out at paulfownmusic.com, and also uh, check out uh, and listen to his song, Cry, at the end of this episode. Uh, We also uh, encourage you to go to the Facebook page for the Agents of Innovation podcast. Just type in Agents of Innovation podcast in your Facebook search bar. You'll get there. Like the page. Also, if you're not yet subscribed or your friends are not yet subscribed, be sure all of you subscribe. You, uh, to the podcast, uh, if you're listening on iTunes or Stitcher or SoundCloud, you can subscribe on any of those places and you'll get the automatic alerts when the new episodes pop up. Uh, in addition, on the Facebook page, and uh, we, we put postings uh, to... Uh, basically articles on the various episodes and uh, give you some updates about what our guests are up to as well so uh, we've seen some fantastic updates uh, going back over the last two years for many of the guests that have been on this program you can also follow us on twitter at agent innovation again um, at agent innovation on twitter but really excited for this uh, episode and glad you've tuned in Okay, I want to welcome my friend Evan Marcus to the Agents of Innovation podcast. Evan, thanks for being with us this morning.
1: Thank you so much, Francisco. It's an honor to be here. I'm glad we finally got the time to do it. Yeah,
0: you know, uh, you and I are pretty busy people, and I I do make it to Miami once in a while. um, And I was there a few weeks ago and thought we'd connect, but... You know you're the boss, and uh, when employees (laughs) don't show up, (laughs) uh, Evan Evan has to go into work. So uh, we weren't able to do the the podcast (laughs) interview in person. Um, But um, uh, you know I'm glad we're able to do this uh, uh, through uh, the means of technology here, um, while I'm in Orlando and you're in Miami. But uh, Evan, um, I want to properly introduce you to our Listening audience and Evan is the uh, co-owner of of a franchise of delivery dudes uh, Mm -hmm. in Midtown Miami. And um, you know, delivery dudes. Can you tell us a little bit more about delivery dudes? Obviously, it's a it's a bigger operation than just what you're doing in Miami. You're uh, as part of the franchise, Um, right? And where did they get started? And and what exactly uh, does the company do?
1: Right. So it's a really cool uh, company. They are a delivery service for restaurants who don't deliver for themselves. So uh, we basically target local, higher-end restaurants who traditionally wouldn't do delivery, historically speaking. I think when people think about food delivery, they think about uh, to-go Chinese food and pizza. Those are sort of the traditional hallmarks of delivery to your house. Obviously, we've transitioned into the 21st century. Everything is on demand that's the idea. Uh you can get a movie streamed to your home. You get anything in the world from Amazon sent right to your door. Um so why not get the best food in your area sent to your house as well? So that's kind of part of that wave of on-demand services. Um and that's where the idea came from. Originally, it was founded by uh, A guy named jason Koss. he's a he's a young dude he is quite the dude as well he's got long hair he lives on delray beach um fits the profile pretty well and he noticed that hole in the market i don't know i'm sure you've been to delray beach but well my my parents live in delray beach so i have been
0: to delray beach yes right
1: right that's right so delray beach is just like 60 restaurants all in a half square mile they're all just Piled on top of each other. Uh, that's what it's famous for. You could walk around and there's just restaurant after restaurant after restaurant after restaurant. So it's actually the sort of the the prime ideal platonic uh, market for food delivery because it's super easy very, to partner. very compact. With. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like and then every in all the restaurants are next to each other and then everyone lives directly. Outside the restaurants, there's residential housing everywhere in Delray. So it's actually super ideal, and that's where the idea started. And he started delivering to his friends and sort of let the business run. Um, This was about seven years ago, and let the business kind of run by itself for a year. And he was in California. Um, And then when he came back, he realized that he really had something big on his hands, and started to take the operation a little bit more seriously, Um, got some of his friends involved, he got a coder involved. All the back-end technology for Delivery Dudes um, was built in-house with our own IT team and with our own special type of code, so that's really cool that that's happening locally in South Florida. We didn't outsource any of the technological aspects of the business you know, outside of the state. We're using local talent to build everything. Marketing is done in-house by a graphic designer, extremely talented. Um, We have some really cool marketing as well. And it's just, it's super local, it's super South Florida idea. Um, So it started in Delray and then it just expanded downwards um, to Boynton Beach, actually Boynton Beach is north, but it, it went to Boynton Beach. Boca was the second or third territory to open And they decided to franchise it to the best drivers. So anyone who was really committed to the company and the idea and the culture behind the company was given the opportunity to open a franchise. That's sort of how the growth started. They said they wanted to be a delivery service uh, run and operated by people who do delivery, people who know the business from the ground up. So that's the really cool, unique thing about Delivery Dudes.
0: Well, Um, and uh, Evan, how did you get into uh, Delivery Dudes, and when did you get into uh, doing this, and what was your first start?
1: Okay, so I was graduating school in May 2014, Florida State, and I had a finance degree. I didn't love my finance classes. I actually uh, got a, I took some background classes in history. I really liked that a lot more than finance. Yeah, i a history major. We gotta stick together. That's right. Uh, but um,
0: financial people uh, make more money, though.
1: <laughs> that's true. Most cases, um, and they also lose a lot more money at times too. So that's true. Um, so you know so, your yeah. history. <laughs> yeah, I actually really enjoyed reading financial history when I was in school because it was right after the 2008 crisis. So um, there's a lot of good books on that as well. But um, yeah, so. I was graduating. I didn't want to go into finance. And my friend who was employee number three of delivery dudes was down in South Florida. We had grown up together and he had been opening up franchises for them. He sort of had been like the corporate guy to go down there and start opening franchises. So he helped them open up their South Beach franchise as as well as a couple others. And... Um, He gave me the opportunity to join him. He said, it's my time to open up a franchise. I want to do it in downtown Miami. That's the place where I want to live. They have a ton of really cool high-end local restaurants doing really cool things with food and sustainability and stuff like that. And, you know, here's your opportunity to join me if you don't want to go into finance. Um, But you're going to have to work the system and learn it first before We do it because when I was graduating, he was still like six, seven months out from opening his own franchise. So when I got home, I thought that was a really good opportunity. Um, I actually moved in with my grandma right after I graduated. And that week after graduation, I started working for Delivery Dudes Boca Raton as as a delivery driver. And I did that for three months. And then I came down here and helped with the management for South Beach Territory. And then that November, we started signing up restaurants in Midtown.
0: Cool. Um, And for those not geographically familiar, uh, because people think, oh, Miami, South Beach. What are you talking about Midtown? Uh, Midtown is just a little north of downtown, and it's kind of become a new hip area in the last, uh, 15 years or so. And it's, I mean, even the last few years, uh, grown even more. Um, okay. and, uh, I think we just seen a lot of development in that area. Um, quite honestly, when I was growing up, uh, you know, in the nineties, you probably, uh, wouldn't want to be in that area. It was pretty, right. uh, pretty crime ridden. <laughs> and if people remember yeah. the, the riots of, of the early to mid 1990s, um, a lot of racial conflict, things like that. I mean, that was that was kind of a a, a lot of that area um, you wouldn't want to be in, and it was almost dangerous to go down to Miami Heat games when they were playing in that area near there right, uh, right. at that time. But now that area is just really unbelievable. Uh, like you said, so many businesses um, just moving in there, and you guys kind of came in there as delivery dudes. Um, and I like your model because tell me if I'm incorrect here, but you don't really uh, deliver the big chains, right? It's it's mostly the local uh, neighborhood uh, kind of restaurants. Is that correct?
1: Right. Well, I mean, that's how it started in Delray. Uh, but then they sort of have I wouldn't call it monopolies, but they're definitely the best delivery services out there. And they were the first ones to do it in Palm Beach County and in Broward. Um, so they really just sign up everyone because the customer inevitably dictates what you want, and a lot of people like uh, they have some good cheesecake factories up there, in Duffy's, and um, so it, it really gets dictated by the customers inevitably. But Del Rey, where it started, is obviously mostly local boutique restaurants, which is really cool. Um, but that's also the cool thing about being a franchise owner, is that you're given sort of a rule book. And you have to play within that rule book, but you also get to kind of custom tailor your own business as long as it's within the boundaries of the rule book. And that's where the creativity comes in because you have constraints. Um, So what we decided to do is we don't eat at chain restaurants personally, so that's not something I wanted to do with my customers. And then also, I guess our strategy going into it was there was a couple delivery services down here. They were all local when we first entered the market. Um, And we said, how do we differentiate ourselves from them? Because they they worked with lower end uh, restaurants and sort of quick sushi places and things like that. So there was no one doing that high end restaurant concept delivery in Miami, which is something that had existed in San Francisco and New York for years. In New York, you could get everything delivered. It doesn't matter if it's the highest end restaurant or the lowest end restaurant. Everything delivers. And same with San Francisco. Um,
0: and who does that delivery? Is it the actual restaurants or just companies like
1: delivery dudes? That's a good question. There, it's, it's, it's like a gradient model. So the market, um, there's Yelp owns Eat Twenty Four, and Eat Twenty Four is strictly the delivery platform for restaurants that they could buy it. And when people are checking out their Yelp page, they can go and order delivery and then the restaurant actually has to hire their own delivery people. Or the restaurant can hire a third party delivery service but still get all their orders through Yelp. And then there's platforms like Grubhub and Delivery Dudes actually that where you order through Delivery Dudes, we handle everything and we also have our own drivers. And uh, what
0: was the name of the company you said that uh, it was owned by Yelp?
1: Uh, E24. E24. So
0: So have they made their way into the Miami market yet?
1: Yes. But that's the difference where we sort of offer a larger vertical than them. So when a restaurant signs up for E24, they get massive exposure because so many people use Yelp. So when you're on their Yelp page, it says order through E24 and E24 takes a percentage of um, the order, a small percentage and then the restaurant receives the order through the platform, makes the order, and then has to find their own delivery service to take it. So some some restaurants have their own delivery people, but um, the expense of having delivery people on staff is that it's an extra liability. And also, the reason why we went after these high-end restaurants is because inevitably, they care about the quality of the food and the customer experience. That's why they can charge so much for their food. So these restaurants aren't looking to take on the liability of a delivery person they're not looking to train delivery people they're so good at being a restaurant and making delicious local food that that's their specialty it's a narrow focus and they might not be good at other things and that's kind of where we thrive and that's kind of where our strategy was originally when we entered the market um but it's interesting yeah go ahead I was going to say, it's interesting how it changed, so we entered, we opened officially in um, February 2004, February 2015. Um, and it was us and there was a couple local companies that had been here for a while who operated through E24 or by the restaurant. So they would just station delivery people at each restaurant and wait for orders to come in through the restaurant or through E24. Um, they didn't have their own platform. So we came in and we were sort of the only third-party delivery service for maybe a couple weeks, and then right after we opened, Postmates came into the market. Postmates, if you're not familiar, is a app-based delivery service started in San Francisco.
0: What's the name Um, of it again?
1: Postmates. Postmates. Okay, I'm not. And they can pick up anything. So you go through the app and just it's a personal concierge. Um, delivery person at your fingertips, so, so if,
0: anything not just food, any anything not just not just you'll food. get my dry cleaning or something,
1: absolutely. And they'll they'll charge based on distance. Um, the funny thing about Postmates is when they came in, obviously Miami's got a much different urban layout than most cities like New York or San Francisco, which are much more dense. Um, so I'm not sure if they totally did their research or. They were just trying to figure it out when they hit the ground, but they experienced a lot of problems because, you know, going from Coral Gables to South Beach at five o'clock is almost impossible, uh, especially if you have food in your car. It's going to go bad. Um, and also, since they're a delivery service that people can just sign on to the app whenever, there's much less quality control over over the people that they work with as far as drivers. So not everyone has a thermal to keep the food hot or a thermal to keep the food cold. So we, we immediately noticed like, okay, there's huge competition coming in. Uh, these people have millions of dollars, if not hundreds of millions of dollars out are capitalized at unlimited unlimited money to spend on marketing. Right after they came in, another company came in called Caviar which is another app-based delivery service out of San Francisco. They're actually owned by Square, um, and they were acquired by Square for $100 million. So when they come in, they spend unlimited amounts of money on marketing, on social media, and um, and it's just not something we could compete on. We don't have the technology to compete. We don't even have an app yet. Um, They're building it, but since we're building it in-house, it's taking time. So, yeah, it's just... So it There's sounds a, like
0: this this uh, model uh, is really evolving very fast. Um, it's like yeah, uh, your uh, founder um, back uh, the the original delivery dude who's surfing over mm-hmm. there in Delray Beach. It sounds like yeah. uh, <laughs> um, he uh, you know he kind of started something. It, it, it seems to have taken off a little, uh, took off a little faster than and there was a lot there was a market for, there was more of a market there than he realized and you know he right. came back from. California and, and, and really got going and you guys have just expanded and, and I go to the, the main Delivery Dudes website, DeliveryDudes.com, mm-hmm. and I see that seems to be, like you said, all over so many municipalities in particularly South Florida. And right. then I even see some in a few other states like Pennsylvania um, and, and a few other places. So Oregon. Um, right and so so tell me yeah how's that expansion been
1: for delivery dudes yeah so it's been crazy because it was a market that sort of the technology got it to open up and the culture as well a lot of these restaurants even when we were approaching them two years ago um, said they would never do delivery their food doesn't leave the restaurant Um, it won't do good as delivery and then when restaurants see how much money they can make That changes like really quickly.
0: It's funny. I've got to give a shout out to my friend Andres Malave here in Orlando because he told me the story when he was in high school. Um, I'm forgetting the name of the restaurant, but it was a a really good restaurant in Key Biscayne. And he – maybe it was a Cuban restaurant. I can't remember. He basically just went in there as a a young entrepreneur and just – told them, Hey, Hey, I can, I can deliver this food and, 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 you know, we can make a lot of money here. Yeah. And they were like, no, no, no. Like just what you're saying, the restaurant, you know, the food is yeah. the restaurant. And then he just basically, um, how do I say talked his way into saying, I'm going to do this for you.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, and just started taking orders. Uh, and people, um, all of a sudden it blew up. And by the time the end of the summer came and he was like in high school, Uh, they ended up having to hire, like, two more people to do the delivery just for that one uh, restaurant because there was just so many people. So, um, but I think it shows, like, there's, when people, you know, you guys, delivery dudes came in, kind of like Andres did in that one situation in the restaurant in Key Biscayne and just created a new market for uh, businesses. uh, Right. People that maybe didn't want to go. I mean, tell me, who, who are these people who are, you well, know, the, the customers, the delivery dudes, like what is their rationale of, of, of uh, experimenting with you guys and with these restaurants?
1: Right. So, I mean, for the consumer, the choice is obvious. They're in a condo. Uh, they're 35 floors up and their car is in valet. It takes 10 minutes to get their car to them once they decide that they want to leave the house. And it takes... Fifteen minutes to get out of the house. Once they get out of the house, parking in Miami is absolutely atrocious. Uh, valet is another ten, fifteen dollars, depending on where you're parking. And if you don't get valet, or if valet is not offered, it's, you know, it's a pain in the tuchus. It's not a fun thing to try to go out and get a bite to eat at a nice restaurant in Miami if you're not prepared to really put in the effort and put in some sweat. So. For the consumers, I think they've been waiting a long time for this to develop. The restaurants on the other end, obviously, if you're a nice restaurant, you're charging part of the money that um, that you're charging for your plate is the ambiance of the restaurant. You hire the best people, you spend a lot of pain to train them. Alcohol, um, your wine selection, your cocktail selection, you know, high-end mixed cocktails are really hot right now in the industry. And all these things contribute to your bottom line. So it doesn't make sense to send food out if you're not charging for a bottle of wine. And also, their food is meant to be served on a plate. It's meant to look really, really good. Aesthetics dominate Miami, whether it's uh, whether it's art or food or music. Everything, how something feels and how something looks is very important to the way of life in Miami. And so it's a harder decision for restaurants, especially knowing that you know, if their if their food is going more than 15 minutes, it's not going to be in the same shape, and they feel like they're going to get they're going to get hit with the complaints. But that was also our sell, and that's also how we differentiate ourselves from the market. Um, we said the food's not going to travel more than 15 minutes. All our drivers have two thermals, one with cold, one with hot. So if there's a salad and there's a pasta, we're going to separate it and make sure that it gets to you the way the temperature was leaving the restaurant as close to it as possible. And we train all our drivers to get the type of customer service that they would potentially receive in that type of restaurant. And that's also why we worked with higher end restaurants so we could um, have higher ticket prices because we spent a lot more time training our drivers. But it was just really interesting going into it and seeing the potential and saying, okay, there's only a couple local operators here. We're coming in, we're the only ones approaching those restaurants. Every restaurant we approached in February 2014, they didn't have delivery. No one had delivery um, for the type of restaurants we we're going after, which was like Oak Tavern and Design District, On Parchment and Design District, the restaurants in Midtown and Wynwood. Um, people, some people were super receptive uh, the summer after we got here, summer 2014, I think over a dozen restaurants went out of business. Um, sort of in the scene restaurants. It was a really, really, really slow summer and it was absolutely brutal for the restaurant industry. So there are certain, like you feel it out and you feel out the industry and you say, where can we have leverage negotiating a deal here? How can we get you to take your food outside of the restaurant? And I think just summertime itself is a really scary concept for a lot of these restaurant owners. The rent is ultra high in Miami, as you know, so a lot of these restaurants need every dollar they can get to survive. Um, and I think that's really the draw of delivery for the restaurant end of it, is that it, they don't need to add any staff. They don't need to pay for any more tables or space or permits to do delivery. They just need, um, they're using the same cooks and they're using the same food. It's just like we're bringing them extra tables into their restaurant without any extra fee. We're just taking a percentage off that.
0: And um, let me but, ask you something. The, uh, yeah. the customer that is getting this uh, food uh, from delivery dudes, are right. they paying an extra fee uh, than they would if they walked into that restaurant? Like, are, yeah. Is that
1: fee to you, delivery dudes? No, they're they're paying a delivery fee, which is standard anywhere in our territory. Five dollars cash, seven dollars with credit, because we use Square payments, so we it cost us to use the credit right now. Um, but yeah, it only costs them the delivery fee. We don't tack on anything on top of the on top of the cost of food. So
0: so is that is that the total? Uh... Uh, profit, I guess you're taking or do you also take a percentage?
1: From- no, we take it. Yeah, we take a percentage from the restaurant as well. Okay. So in a lot of times we'll waive the delivery fee, depending on what the situation is. We waive it for people in the business. We waive it for a couple of local businesses as well. So we like to support local businesses like the, there's three or four breweries in Winwood with two more opening this year. We've always done free deliveries to the breweries because they don't have food there. Well, that's great.
0: So I'm a customer. I want to go have a, a craft beer at a at a Winwood Brewery. Yeah. And uh, but I'm I'm hungry when I'm there, and I don't want to yeah. like leave the place or find something to eat. So I can just call delivery dudes, and get something um, ordered from a local restaurant to be brought to me to the brewery.
1: Right. Exactly.
0: Oh, awesome. And then you're not charging the extra fee because it's being taken from one local business to
1: another right yeah it's sort of a promotional tool for us hey like we're the local guys if you ever order from home you know who to order from because you had a really good experience at the brewery um but yeah it was it's just been a wild ride because after all that said and done that business model seems really cool and it's and it is a win-win situation for restaurants and consumers the way we do it um but as i said postmates and in caviar entered the market right after we got in and then a couple months after that i mean maybe a year after that last year caviar was going account to account with us they were also targeting the high-end places and they had a better technology um but they didn't train their drivers and not everyone had thermals so those problems even though they had a really flashy presentation and they said um we're spending this much money on marketing we could bring you more volume and they did I think, I think they thought they could do a lot more volume than us just because of, you know, they had, a, they had a wider swath of customers to draw on from. They would deliver out to Coral Gables from restaurants in Midtown. They would deliver out to South Beach. We only deliver within each territory locally. And that was really attractive for restaurant owners. But the, the problem started showing. You know, the drivers weren't trained as well. The customers would call them because if there was a problem with their food, it would be hard to get through to someone on the app, so they'd call the restaurant and complain, and the restaurant has no idea what happened to the food. You know, they're just looking at the orders that are coming in, making the food, and handing it off to the drivers, so there was a lack of communication there. And then Caviar pulled out, and we were just like, yes, we did it, like we beat the big guys, you know? And a month after Caviar pulled out of Miami, um, Uber, started doing food delivery last summer, and then Amazon immediately after that started doing food delivery. So it's pretty crazy how these are two of the biggest tech companies in the world, and they think that this is a viable market. Um, They think this is a profitable idea, doing food delivery, even though it's a lot more overhead than their traditional business model would incur. So, so so, caviar pulled out. What uh, what happened to Postmates? Did they also pull out? Postmates is operating, but uh, I've seen less of a presence. I think they're trying to focus their business model on the things that uh, aren't food. Sort of, they're they're operating in the little crevices of the market, like picking up CVS stuff and random things like dry cleaners where they can just be a little bit more effective and they don't have
0: guys are, are more niche in that you're very focused (laughs) on food and, and particularly a lot of high end food. Right. Um, We have a narrow scope. Yeah. Yeah, we the only way to postmates is is broader. Right. They're trying to do uh, a lot of different things. And then Uber and Amazon, I imagine they're, uh, they're probably, I mean, they're obviously they're big tech companies everybody knows kind of what they do, but, uh, I would think they're kind of like broader as well, right? I mean, Um, or they're
1: getting good at doing the the niche food stuff. Yeah, it's an interesting observation. Like, they are really – they're doing it because they think they can do food delivery really well. That's why they're investing money in it. They're really smart. Um, They've done their research, and they're opening a bunch of different markets. Uh, Obviously, San Francisco, Seattle, New York – or they might not be – I'm pretty sure they do it in New York, but – um,
0: yeah, I was in an Uber. Gosh, I think it was in Chicago recently. And yeah. I just noticed there was like a little menu, like an Uber menu, like a food that's, menu type of thing. That's wild. Something. Yeah. Yeah, because
1: um, yeah, they, they already have these drivers that are idling. So their idea is, you know, when an when Uber driver is idling, what can we do to make them extra money? And what can we do to make us extra money? And, and it would seem a rational thing to just have them pick up food if it's ready down the corner.
0: And I know um, Uber's gonna be. Uh, I know they're getting into to healthcare, um, where they can deliver, really? you know, medical
1: uh, things. You know, maybe,
0: maybe yeah. something from CVS or something delivered to your it, house. Yeah.
1: It's funny you say that because a couple um, drivers we had would used to had worked for these really small, very mom and pop local prescription delivery companies that they said it was a really profitable industry. But yeah. I think yeah, delivering that drugs in Miami far.
0: has seemed to be a very profitable industry for a long time. So. It built the skyline, right? <laughs> yeah. So, um, anybody just has to watch Cocaine Cowboys to figure that one out. But yeah. anyway, um, no, let's not dive too deep into that. Um, the, <laughs> the, the, um, uh, uh, but no, I'm g- wanting you to get back here. Um, one question uh, I had for you as we're talking about all these companies and they're coming in and they're investing in the Miami market or trying to. Yeah. Um when you guys got started or even what you're doing now um how did people find out about delivery dudes how do you market how do you like where like what's just like the way you're getting the word right. out and trying to
1: to tell people like what you offer Right so um me and my business partner had you know we didn't do anything on credit we had no money um we we're, we weren't taking out loans to do this we said we we're going to do it from scratch um and we're going to do it with the money that we have so we didn't have any advertising dollars to spend on traditional marketing or advertising. We did it completely on the on the strength of our relationships that we had down here. I mean, originally, the idea was to try to push volume through restaurants and say, hey, here's all our promotional material. You know, all these restaurants in Miami, being a foodie is a huge thing now, Food on Instagram is, I think, the number one thing behind butts, maybe, that people look at. So, like, it's a huge tool to, to let these restaurants market themselves. And a lot of these restaurants have huge followings on social media. So we would um, try to push our volume through them. Say, hey, uh, what was one restaurant? Come on Parchment has a huge lunch following. We'd have them put all our marketing material in their to-go boxes, and that's how people would find out about us. Um, that strategy worked for the first quarter that we were in business, and then, obviously, as competitors, started flooding the market. Um, and then, I didn't even tell you, there's like two more competitors. One of them was from Indianapolis that came in, uh, which was kind of weird, but, you know, Miami is just a great place to do delivery, I guess. And... Once more competitors started coming in, restaurant. we don't have an exclusivity agreement, we say, hey, you can work with anyone you want. Um, it doesn't matter because we're just going to prove ourselves as the best delivery service. So as restaurants started adding other delivery services to their repertoire, the pushing volume through restaurants didn't make as much sense because then it sort of the impetus was on the companies, the delivery companies to do their own marketing. But from there, we would just go into bars. Um, we would form really good relationships surprisingly with the the guys downstairs in the buildings the concierge desks as long as we were treating them really nicely they would always recommend us that's a lot of the feedback i got from customers and a lot of it was word of mouth we me and my business partner live in miami Um, we go to all the events all the food events all the food events downtown we go to all the local community events we try to just be out and about talking to people and people know who we are and people know our business and that's why they want to order from us they say hey that's you know that's evan's business um and we hired people from the restaurant industry as well to are we yeah our all our all our drivers are independent contractors but we we got a lot of them from within the restaurant industry so we try to build the network internally because i think it was for us it was silly to try to compete against uber who's spending ten thousand dollars a week on social media if we were to spend $100 a week on social media, it wouldn't, it would be a drop in the pond, you know? So we had to find sort of an asymmetric strategy to compete against these guys. And for us, that was just leveraging our personal relationships and truly just being on the ground all the time and being in the breweries, being in the scenic spots and just letting people know, hey, we're the local delivery services. All the other business owners recommend us. And our biggest tool was providing the best service to the restaurants. So when someone calls up and they say, hey, do you guys do delivery? Yeah, we do delivery through five different delivery companies. Okay, which one do you recommend? Delivery Dudes. Um, I always ask our first-time customers where they hear about us, and a lot of times it is through uh, the restaurant. Just saying, hey, uh, Proof Pizza recommended you guys. They said you're the best. So.
0: Well, it sounds like you've
1: built quite a reputation,
0: and also I think what it goes to show is those those personal relationships and and really it sounds like uh you know just attention to the local market too I mean you guys are the local guys you're, so important. Around. you're yeah I mean building those relationships like those with those concierge guys or even the local yeah. businesses um i mean that's that's what happens I mean especially you know I mean gosh, I'm just thinking of when I stay at a hotel somewhere, somewhere locally, and I go to the front desk, you know, this happens to everybody, right? And you ask, hey, where are the four or five restaurants that you recommend or whatever it is? It's, you know, I mean, yeah, it might be their favorite restaurant to actually eat, but it's a lot of times it's the people they know there, the people that come by. And and so that's this kind of similar model of what you guys, I think, um, have developed. Um, The the other thing um, I wanted to ask you was uh, – as your, what are some of the, um, well, first of all, you, the, the business model, you have you and your business partner who are, uh, you know, the French co-franchise owners of mm-hmm. the Miami Midtown uh, franchise of delivery dudes. Uh, mm-hmm. how many other people actually work, uh, sort of on the payroll for, for delivery dudes at your location? And then you mentioned all these independent contractors, uh, the, the actual drivers, um, how many are servicing, uh, your location there?
1: Right. So we have I think we have close to 10 drivers now and one person working in the office. All the drivers and are, are they are they using their own cars? Yeah. All the drivers use their own cars or scooters. We um, we had someone on a bicycle last year, which was really cool for small orders just around Midtown because a lot of our orders are concentrated. You know, there's Midtown. There's like five or six condos now right above all the restaurants there. You'd be surprised how many people order from a restaurant downstairs. That's unbelievable. Yeah, but it's cool. It's funny
0: because I actually work from home when I'm not out traveling, and I'll tell you what, I have to actually like every couple hours physically leave the condo because I can't. Yeah, it's just you just too cooped up. So I don't know. Yeah. I don't understand these people. Just go right downstairs. That's the whole, <laughs> that's the whole concept. But hey, I don't want to like push your business away because obviously no,
1: you know you're what? just to basically
0: on- walking stuff upstairs for them for a little extra fee.
1: <laughs> right. For To be honest, I there's part of me who's like, I can't believe you're running a company that keeps people inside. That's so against everything I stand for. But at the same time, you know, if they're going to do it, there's going to be a service out there for them. I want to provide the best service and I want to you know, sort of push them into ordering from a local restaurant instead of a chain place. So yeah, that's how this I
0: also seems that. like a very, uh, urban concept in terms of, uh, you do need a concentrated, you know, uh, area yeah. where there's a lot of businesses and a you lot need of people. Density. Yeah. So, um, I de- yeah, definitely... and that's,
1: that's why these companies come into Miami and don't know what's going on. It's funny cause we would, we would walk into meetings, uh, me and my business partner would, someone would see like, a caviar or an uber car pulled outside of a restaurant and we would go in and bust up their meeting like we would be shameless um we could and it would just be like we would look at the car and it was a rental car from wisconsin and then immediately after they got done with their meeting i would walk up to the gm or the chef or whoever they were talking to and be like yo you know there's a wisconsin license plate on that guy's car um he's not going to be here after you sign up with his account, so if there's ever a problem, you're gonna have to call a toll free number in San Francisco or wherever they're from. Uh, but if you have a problem with us, you can text me. That was the real sell, and that was that really affected people. And we would like go in right after Uber met with them, and just say, "Hey, that was a sales team. I live down the street. I could walk here in five minutes. If there's a problem, you know, if you ever change an item on your menu or if a customer calls." You text me. And that's the difference between us and Uber is they just cannot, they do not have the capacity to operate on the level we do. And that was the biggest lesson I've got from this is that on the surface, when we heard Uber was opening up and they would also, they also eliminated the concept of doing delivery for high-end restaurants. They signed up the nicest restaurants and they also work with McDonald's, um, Uber. So for us that was like, oh wow, our strategy has changed. Like we can't at first I was just like, oh, well now let's just sign up every restaurant. If they're gonna sign up every restaurant, we gotta compete. And then it was it was nice being able to admit, hey, we're not Uber, we don't have the technology we have, we don't have the we don't have the money they have to spend on advertising. So let's not be them. Let's not try it. We we have a different business model, let's stick to working with like local high-end concepts, and do what they can't do. They, The person making the decision at the highest level in Uber Eats in Miami is not going to be texting the restaurant owners. I am. I'm able to change a menu item. I'm able to take off a menu item in a couple minutes. Um, they're not able to do that. So we were really sort of, it was liberating almost to have them come in and sort of um, give even greater juxtaposition to why our business model works even better, you know, it was just it was it was liberating to see this one of the biggest companies in the world and say there are certain things they'll never be able to do that we can do by literally just living here. Um, so that was really cool. Well,
0: I think that yeah, that just shows uh, local versus sort of an outsider, national, maybe international company. Um, right. and you could probably apply that to a lot of different concepts. Uh, but, uh, uh as far as like l- local always knows better, you know, you know, you, the person who lives on the street, right. sees everything on the street versus some outsider who's got all the analytics and thinks right. they know what's going on on the street, um, down there, but they, they, they're not there every day to, to see and to experience, uh, things. Um, but uh, quickly, Evan. I, I uh, know we've taken a lot of time here, but I wanted to ask you. So yeah. you've been, you know, I know you started uh, uh, with Delivery Dudes about two and a half years ago. It sounds like uh, mm-hmm. helping up in uh, Boca, helping mm-hmm. in South Beach, and then about two years ago, opening the franchise in Midtown Miami. So um, sounds like just it's. I, I know talking to you over a lot of this time. I've been kind of following you a little bit. I've, I've gotten the full story today. Yeah, uh, but you're. Uh, I, am always trying to hang out with you when I'm down in Miami and 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 I think we've caught in like one beer in two years um, because you are just (laughs) always moving and always doing things. Um, but, uh, now I I can, I can tell why, but, um, you are, uh, now, uh, uh, tell me, I, I heard a rumor you might be, uh, selling the franchise.
1: Yeah, that's, that's correct. So I'm going to be leaving soon. Um, we were able to find someone within the company who was really interested in opening up down here. And it was kind of like, we've done, we've done, uh, everything we can do. It's in a great place. Um, but my heart was inevitably not in this industry. You know, when I was interning for you at, uh, another organization in Tallahassee, we, you, I went to Africa on a trip to Rwanda in the solar energy sector um, and I also got a research grant to Ecuador. So that's like working in development and alternative energy was something that really got me excited. And By the way, I you know of- what,
0: it's funny. Uh, yeah, you had just finished interning, uh, and I was in China with my brother and we were right. on, I think, WhatsApp or something, right? Yeah. One of those apps that you can yeah, text yeah, yeah. internationally. And I'm in China, and you're in Rwanda, and we're texting. Yeah. Each other. And I thought that was, just that like was the so cool. Thing. I was like, yeah. you're in Rwanda, um, and <laughs> I, there's only one thing that people think of when they think of Rwanda. Yeah. Um, and of I course. was, and then you're telling me about all this business that's that's happening over there. And, yeah. Uh, unbelievable, all the investment. But we, that's a, that's a story for another time. I just thought it was kind of cool, and it reminded me of that. But so tell me, So 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 you're where, where's your heart at right now?
1: Um, I want to get back into that sector. So that was something that I felt the, clo- the actual work that I was doing over there. felt really close to the type of people that were working abroad. I sort of just want to see as much as I could see, um, right now, because in this, in this business that we've been in, I've been constricted to the sort of the, the territory range that we've had for our deliveries, which is midtown Miami. And as you know, Even when you're in Wynwood, sometimes I can't even get a beer with you when you're down here because I'm just running around. I know last time, the one time we did get a beer, I had to run out um, towards the end of that. So it's just like, it's been very intensive in one small area and I've learned so much. I feel like, I tell people, I feel like I've been in 90% of the elevators in downtown, you know? I've just been in every building 150 times. Um, so I, it's been really intense down here and I've been working seven days a week, so I really haven't had time to focus on like what I enjoy or what I, the business has been my life and I've learned so much from it, but at the same time, it's nice to sort of open that focus and sort of understand what I really enjoy and and where I might be going past this. And uh, hopefully this will give me the opportunity to, you know, explore some other things that I was interested in prior to Delivery Dudes, which I'm not even sure if I can remember what life was like.
0: Yeah, uh, I'm not sure you do either. Um, <laughs> well, Evan, um, uh, obviously people can find Delivery Dudes at DeliveryDudes.com. And yes. there's all sorts of local markets that you can look into there. Um For So sure. no matter where anyone, are.
1: Yeah, anyone listening in South Florida probably already knows Delivery Dudes, but if you don't, I highly suggest you check us out. Yeah. Um, and hopefully they'll be. You're in Orlando. I'm sure they have food delivery up there, Grubhub or something like that.
0: Probably. You know, I don't. I don't really do that. Um, yeah. I'm not. I'm. I don't think I'm the typical consumer of this. Um, right. But I, it's funny. I was looking in, on your website and did not see any Orlando um, franchise here. So for anybody listening in Orlando, maybe there's an opportunity <laughs> uh, contact yeah, delivery. For sure. dates, but maybe. Sure. But there may also be some other local um, delivery options uh, for people. You know, it's funny, there's a, uh, there's a, there's a restaurant. I I live in this uh, neighborhood, Baldwin Park, and it's kind of a cool, uh, concept was only built about 15 years ago, but a lot of little restaurants, but kind of a a very walkable community. And there was a restaurant in there called Caddyshanks that has since closed, but it was open for a few years. And they, their concept was they were just a bar, but they were a bar that um, had a menu of all the different restaurants within the area. Like, yeah. you know, 10 different local restaurants. I think one was driving distance, but the rest were walkable. And they would go get your food for you. Um, really? And I'm sure they, you know, they had some relationship with each of those restaurants. Yeah. So they probably, you know, got a little feed. But it was just a concept where they didn't really have a kitchen. They didn't have, that just wasn't, but their model was we're just going to have fun and games here. You know, they had a golf simulator and table yeah, tennis and all sorts of that's things. That's cool. Um, and the
1: the customers, I'm sure, dictated that. I'm sure they got questions all the time, like, "Hey, how do we get food here?" Right. And they said, "We the might best. as well just bring it to you." And you know, it's a little bit extra revenue.
0: So for me, that kind of place was cool because I was already out, and I and that's why I liked the idea when you said, "Hey, I, I could be having a beer in Wynwood at a craft brewery. Yeah. I don't have to leave. And they don't they don't serve food, but let's let's you know have some relationship here with delivery deeds. And yeah. that's, where, that's where you guys would service somebody like me. But Evan, beyond Delivery Dudes, um, where can people follow the next steps of Evan Marcus?
1: Oh, good question. I actually just got back on Twitter. Yes. I'm really excited about. Um, I've seen your tweets. I love following you because um, you're very active and post really good stuff. But yeah, hopefully I'll start posting soon right now. Um, I'm sort of just getting you know, who I follow back on. But I think Twitter is where it's at. So I'll be on Twitter. My Twitter handle is Evan C. Marcus. Evan C.
0: Marcus, M-A-R-C-U-S. So uh, right. you can follow Evan at Evan C. Marcus. And we will, um, uh, along with every podcast episode, I put up a blog and put up links to cool. Cool. Uh, all, cool. the, all the things so people can find it on the uh, Agents of Innovation Facebook page, yeah. Twitter account, and all that. If
1: anyone has... Uh, you know, their favorite restaurant in Miami, any recommendations you don't see on our website, feel free to reach out. All right. Sounds
0: good. Well, thank you, Evan, for being on the Agents of Innovation podcast, and we will look forward to your next steps.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much, Francisco. All right. Thank you. Cheers.